630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Nurse, beautiful move. To the net. Big time score. And Edmonton completes a dramatic comeback. Riley takes the step. Settles into the pocket. He's got some time. Now he's going deep looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch. And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute bomb. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Toronto Maple Leafs leading the Ottawa Senators 1-0 with five minutes left in the second period. About to get underway, the Bruins and the Rangers. Those are the only two games in the NHL tonight. The Edmonton Oilers will visit the Minnesota Wild tomorrow. Miko Koivu out for the season for the Wild. He has a torn ACL in his right knee. That is a tough one for the Wild, who are the best of the Turtles in the Turtle Derby for the two wildcard spots in the Western Conference. They have 57 points, three up on Vancouver, who hold down the final playoff spot, and four up on St. Louis, who are the best non-playoff team, and they're hard-charging. They've actually been doing well over the last month or so with their record of 13-8-1 since December 12th. The Oilers, you know where they are at? They are in a world of hurt. They are winless in 6-0-4-2 during that run. They are 2-10 in their last 12 games on home ice. And uh, generally on home ice lately, they have not been close. I mean, they have been spanked by Chicago, by Detroit, by Carolina. I know a couple of the games might have wound up close with the Oilers putting up a bit of a show in the third period, but not nearly enough. So the Oilers back on the road tomorrow to face the Minnesota Wild. We will have it for you on 6.30, Shed, with the face-off show at 4.30. The game will start at 6. The Oilers practiced at the community rink today before getting on the plane to Minnesota. And Ken Hitchcock, the head coach of the team, decided not to go onto the ice for practice. He watched from the stands. Oh, my voice was this morning. I had the meeting this morning, and... No point in doubling down, so it was good that they got a different voice at practice. I, I spoke up this morning in the meeting and um, had a good practice, so off to many and see if we can get our game back in order like we had it on the road. All right, this is interesting to me. I, I don't want to read too much into this. That you know, Occasionally, an assistant coach will run a practice or uh, run several drills and the head coach may be on the ice but may kind of decide to take a back seat that day. I I wonder if there could be a little more to this. I I mean, we know Hitch is a a barker. We know he gets on guys. Uh, We know he's been shuffling the lines a lot, though not as much lately. The last three games he's actually stuck with the lines, but there's been a lot of tinkering and uh, I think a lot of... uh, manipulation I guess to put it for lack of a better term from from Hitch I'm not necessarily meaning that uh, uh, you know he's he's going around being underhanded or anything like that but I think he could play some some mind games and get on guys I, I wonder if he thought or somebody thought maybe they needed him to back off for a day or two and let somebody else run the practice we'll see if this is something that becomes more prevalent as we go through the rest of the season. So Glenn Gullitson, of course, who has been a head coach in the National Hockey League, ran the practice today. Um, 
you know, I, I, I personally don't think Hitch is going to be the coach next year. So, I, I mean, we're in the same part of the cycle, unfortunately. We were in, uh, what, when was it, 2015? Todd Nelson was the interim head coach. Now, at that time, Craig McTavish was the general manager, and it looked like he was going to continue to be until the Oilers won the draft lottery and they brought in Peter Shirelli. I don't think Hitch is going to be the coach next year. I I would guess that the players probably have that vibe. Uh, I don't know if they're totally enjoying playing for Hitch. So Gullitson got out there today and ran the practice. I, I was very interested today on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, uh, Craig Simpson, former Oiler player and assistant coach, was on with Brendan Escott, and uh, Simpson said that if the Oilers believe that they can get into the playoffs and if uh, they're pretty certain Hitch isn't going to be the head coach do you dismiss Hitch and perhaps let Gullitson coach the team for the rest of the way I don't think you would bring somebody else in on an, on an interim basis that's an interesting theory I don't think they're going to go down that road but this leads to just continuing questions about where the franchise is at as a whole what is the future going to bring uh, how far away are the Oilers from being uh, any sort of a, uh, a contending team whether you're consistently contending for a playoff spot and maybe one day contending for a Stanley Cup they are a long way from that there there's no doubt about that and they are in the race for a playoff spot this season because, as we've referenced several times, this is a historically, at least in terms of a 30-team NHL, this is a historically lame playoff race. Like, there's just no doubt about it. Um, what do you have? You got Minnesota, 57 points. Okay, they're they're okay. Uh, the other teams, Vancouver has the last playoff spot. They are 500. St. Louis is two games over 500. They're actually the the best team right now in terms of points percentage. You got Colorado 500, Arizona and Edmonton two games under 500, Chicago and Anaheim three games under 500. Those teams are all within three points or less of a playoff spot. Uh, Edmonton has gone six thirteen and three since December 12th. Anaheim has gone five thirteen and four. Colorado has gone five thirteen and three. Like there are some teams who are almost refusing to win who still have at least a shot at uh, at a playoff spot. Anyway, this, this is yet another down year, poor year, disappointing year, in uh, a long list of them for the Edmonton Oilers, and probably for a lot of people, modest expectations. I thought they could squeak into the playoffs. Maybe they still will. If they do it, it it's they're not going to have a good record. I mean, look, the, the second wildcard team in the West is probably going to be between 18th and 22nd overall. So whoever gets that spot, whether it's the Oilers or somebody else, you can't fool yourself into thinking you actually had a playoff caliber season if you're between 18th and 22nd and you somehow sneak in. So We're going to have a new general manager, probably in the spring. I think we're going to have a new head coach for next season. And then what else do you need? Well, if the Oilers had a second line, they'd be better. They'd probably be a team where you'd think, okay, they're a solid wildcard-type team, not a great team. Uh, How far away are they from having that? I don't know. Can you get it next year with the salary cap situation? Let's face it, you might not be able to. You might not be able to build a, a decent second line for the start of next season uh, simply because of the cap situation. How far are the Edmonton Oilers away from being a Stanley Cup contending team? Well, the, what are some of the things you need? 
you probably need a top 10 coach in the NHL. I don't know if they're going to get that in the, in the fall. Uh, you need a, probably at least a top 10 goaltender in the NHL. They do not have that. They, they will not have that. Talbot, obviously, we've talked about him a lot. He has not been able to repeat what he did two years ago. Uh, Miko Koskinen, personally, I think we're finding out why he was in the KHL for eight years. He's certainly had uh, some good games. He had an extended good run when uh, Hitch took over as head coach. I think best-case scenario, Miko Koskinen's a middle-of-the-pack goaltender in the NHL. That doesn't win you a Stanley Cup. And you need, really, three pretty solid lines. And uh, as we know right now, the Oilers don't even have a second line. And I'm not even uh, touching on uh, the defense, which which would have to be upgraded as well. Maybe that's, oddly enough, maybe that's the strongest part of the Oilers team right now, even though there's some flaws there too. So a lot of people are asking me, what's going to happen? Uh, when is it going to be better? Look, I don't know. I mean, we're, I'm doing the same show I did four years ago where it's it's disappointing they have some high-end players they have high draft picks and there's not enough around them and there's uncertainty with the coaching and management this is the same thing we were talking about on february 6 2015 probably i didn't look back on the calendar exactly what was the news that day so uh i mean that's where we're at and i'm trying not to be too bleak about it but again i i can't sit here and say all right they it's not like if the orders add one or two players all of a sudden they're a really good team they had one or two players and they're the right players yeah they might be a better team but really good consistently uh in the playoffs things like that no i don't know they're 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 not there they got two the orders have two guys who are very likely going to score over 40 goals this season nugent hopkins will very likely like nugent hopkins still has a chance to be a point a game player he's only four or five points under that pace like, think about that. Think what what great seasons those players are having, and we could potentially we don't we don't know it's gonna which way it's gonna go. We could potentially have a team with two forty goal scores and a, a point a game player as well, uh, and be eight to ten points out of the playoffs. So that shows there's a lot to be done around those guys. Cam Talbot, by the way, will start in goal tomorrow against the Wild. We'll get some comments from that. He elaborated on uh, his frustration at being pulled yesterday. Hitchcock will weigh in too. 780-496-0063. Our old buddy Sirius Gord is on the line when we get back. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. We'll have Mike Greenlay on the show a little bit later on, color analyst for the Minnesota Wild on Fox Sports North. He'll tell us about their up-and-down season, about how Devin Dubnik's been playing between the pipes, about the loss of Miku Koivu, and it's uh, kind of interesting. Mike's Twitter handle is goalie. At polled goalie. So I may uh, talk to him about, well, being polled in games. Wasn't pleasant for Talbot last night as the Oilers fell apart in the third period and lost to the Chicago Blackhawks. Thanks for tuning in at 620. My name is Reed Wilkins. This is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chet. So a road game for the Oilers tomorrow against Minnesota and then a 5 o'clock start time for a home game on Saturday against the San Jose Sharks. All right, Sirius Gord has dialed in. Okay, Gord. Hey, buddy. So, uh, <laughs> the pulled goalie guy, is he trying to have kids or something, or what? 
I mean, but that's the phrase I'm used to using that for. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> one of the great Canadianisms. All right. Uh, <laughs> anyway, sorry. It's okay. Uh, I, I want to touch quickly on the playoff picture, and then I want to take a quick long view, if that's okay with you, Reed. Yep. The playoffs, um, I'm just looking at the standings here now. It's quite, we're in quite a remarkable place. I don't know if the league has ever seen this before. 53 games in, the Oilers are three points out of a wild card and three points out of dead last in the West. That's Yes, that's true. <laughs> you know, we're 53 games in, and you can be that pathetic and that good and, and be eligible for, uh, you know, maybe make the wild card. Yeah. But... Um, to quote, uh, and it's what we're talking at, 84, 85 points gets you in. Um, there was a, pre- a president many years ago, LBJ, probably you're too young to remember or heard about him, Lyndon Johnson, and he once talked about the vice presidency being uh, have about as much worth as a warm bucket of spit. <laughs> and and that's what the playoffs are worth to this team this year, if that's all it takes to get in. It is a complete mirage to assume that this team and I think they could make it. I think Clefbaum comes back, gets in shape. Maybe Sakara performs pretty good, and you get a bit better performances from some of these players. And, you know, it's 84 points. It's not that hard. And uh, then we go on to uh, to the playoffs for what? A quick four-round elimination? Yeah, I mean, they can't, they can't beat any of the top teams. I'm not sure 100%. if any of these lower-end teams in the West can, quite quite frankly. But, that, but the Oilers certainly. I mean, I hate to say this, Court. Yep. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow because at least the Oilers play with some testicles on the road, at least a little more than they do at home. Yeah. But like Saturday, in my mind, is a guaranteed loss. And you know it's yes. rare for me to be that negative because I always try to see some way. silver You're not line. Alone. Yeah. You're not alone, man. It's like, this is just... It, uh, and that brings me to the next part, and Robin Bradley wrote about it today online. This, I think, is the the darkest it has ever been for the Oilers last night was because there's no excuses for it. There's nothing. It's not that we don't have the money. It's not that we haven't had draft picks. We've had everything handed to us. Mm-hmm. And look where we are. And more importantly, not I'm not looking at next season. We already have the second highest cap in, uh, in the league right now. It's when do we expect to compete for a cup? Three and a half seasons from now? And think about, you know, our current roster, how many of those players are going to be even in the conversation? Four, five? So we have to find another 22 or 23 players between now and then to become a Stanley Cup eligible team. We are years away from developing that. When we have no money, maybe we've got four or five prospects coming up in the next little while that will get us a third of the way there. But where do we get these players? Like you said, where do we get the goalie? Where do we get... Yeah. You know, well, that's depends of the, it's just well, endless. And like I said, you know, I, I was talking about Hitch there, and somebody said, texted in and said, Hey, Reed, I can't believe you're turning on Hitchcock. I'm not turning on Hitchcock. It's just the reality that I don't think he's going to be the coach next year. No, he's not. Like that, and I'm I not, think... and he's not my coach, so I'm not turning on him. But if people ask me, well, Do you think Hitch is going to be back? Well, it's my educated prediction that, that he won't be. That's not, that's, not, that's not even a comment on how I think he's doing. That's just me no. reading the tea leaves of what's happening. So, and I agree, and I, and I, think, I think there may be a possibility he's kind of lost the room a little bit, but that's neither here nor there at this point in time. What concerns me, and David Staples wrote about it today, is that it looks like the search crew, have you read this? The search team for the next GM is McTavish, Sutter, and Kevin Lowe. 
I didn't read so, that. <laughs> yeah, I heard about it, and I'm going, "Are you serious?" Right? This is this is the same cabal that's been screwing up serially for all these years, and you're the, hiring those guys to go find the replacement. We have replaced. Just think about it. In the last less than 12 months, we've replaced essentially all the assistants. We've replaced the head coach. We've replaced the GM. We've replaced half the roster. If you really went down the list, and look where we are. You know. Well, I'll tell um, you what. One thing about. Todd McClellan, I don't know what Hitch's future is in the NHL. Whatever team gets Todd McClellan, I think is going to be thrilled to have him. I think he's a good coach. I'm not convinced he's a great coach. You don't think he's a top eight coach, but you but you think he's a middle of the pack coach. I think he's he's at least middle of the pack for sure. I, I question his tactics. He reminds me of Andy Reid in the in the NFL, a guy who, when it really matters uh, in the pressure of the moments, he he tends to uh, panic, juggles lines doesn't call timeouts when you need them, those kinds of things. Okay. But I think he's I think he's a good motivator for the most part. But uh, with this team, it's just the mind boggles at the issues that this team has. And, you know, it's if, even if it's three and a half years, Reed, Connor McDavid will be 26 going on 27 years. That is the peak of his career. And, he, and we're only hoping we get to there to be in the Stanley Cup. This is, this is an incredibly discouraging time for me, and I suspect a lot of fans right now. Because we're at a loss as to what's next, and it looks like, you know, we can talk about something in the water, but it certainly doesn't seem like they're going to do anything to change the plumbing. Um, so, you know, we're, <laughs> we need to get some outside people in, or we need, uh, you know, what? One last thing. I know I'm prattling on here, but how can anybody in the old boy, old boy group, if they had an ounce of pride, not resign? Because of how futile it's been, just say you know what I'm not going to wait for Daryl to try and uh, have a hard time with me. I will do the good thing, and I will, you know, uh, uh, whatever your sword the phrase is. But you know, why can't these guys just quit and go away on their own volition, not have to be told to leave? Especially Kevin Lowe. I mean, come on, get out of there. So, anyway, all right, Gordon. That's all I got, Reed. No, Thanks, I appreciate buddy. it for you. I know we'll keep uh, we'll keep talking, buddy. Keep smiling, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no sweat. Take care, buddy. All right, Bye. that is serious Uh Brian, you're on hold. I'm going to get to you next, but I want to give you more time, and I got a break for the news right away. So I will. Uh, I'll bring you in after the 6:30 news. And if you're calling 780-496-0063, we'll get you in in the next half hour. Uh, I will just wrap up this up. So the the teams that are in this uh, snails race in the West. Since December 12th, St. Louis is 13-8-1. That's the 11th best record in the league during that time, which isn't bad. Uh, Chicago actually has the 10th best record in the league since December 12th. They're doing better. Uh, since December 12th, Minnesota's 20th, Vancouver's 22nd, Arizona's 21st, Edmonton is 28th, and Anaheim is 29th. They've all virtually given away a month of the season. And they still have a shot. Back after the news, Inside Sports on 630, Chad. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630, Chad, Inside Sports. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Senators and Maple Leafs tied 1-1 after one. No score. Bruins and Rangers halfway through the first period. 
Oilers at Minnesota Wild tomorrow. The Wild will be without Miku Koivu for the rest of the season. He has a torn ACL in his right knee. Tough break for him. Cam Talbot will start in goal for the Oilers tonight. He was talking about uh, staying in the dressing room after being pulled in the third period last night. I usually take a few minutes to cool off. I don't usually stay um, in the room for, sometimes I do it for the remainder of the period, depending on how much time is left, but uh, I've never been pulled, I don't think, in the third period before either. So, um, like I said, it was highly emotional game. I was frustrated with how things went in the third period. Um, I was in the wrong to, to stay in the room. I told the guys that after the game and, um, you know, they all had my back. They understood I was frustrated and um, I did apologize to them after. But just to be clear, I mean, you were ready to go. You were in your gear. I was, yeah, yeah, I was in my gear. <laughs> There's no situation like that. I was just uh, put my gloves, my helmet up and just kind of sat there. So it was just more of a decompression than anything. All right, a little bit there from Cam Talbot. More on 630Ched.com. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can text 630-630. This texter says, Reed, you're being such a negative Nelly, it makes me sick. There's an idea, Kellen. Inside sports sickness bags. Like they have have my face on the side. And when the show makes people feel a little queasy... Mosey texting in and says, Hey, Reed, even though we've watched this team struggle, especially post-All-Star break, I'm going to stay positive and believe that maybe last night was as bad as it gets, and hopefully it motivates something out of this roster to make a push for a playoff spot. For the record, I still believe Stranger Things has happened. That is from Mosey to 630-630. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Brian standing by. Hey, Brian. Hey, Reed. How's it going? Pretty good. Like your show, I always listen to it when I can. Thank you. Uh, long-time Oilers fan, um, and and I, get, I watched the game last night too. Um, the, you know the definition of insanity. I don't think we have to go over that. Um, I go back to Peter Shirelli when they hired him in 2015, I believe, um, when uh, we went to the draft floor, and of course we took Connor McDavid. The very second decision Peter Shirelli made was a trade for Reinhardt. Remember that? Yes, I do. Now, can you tell me that that was Peter Shirelli that made that decision? A man that uh, basically just came from Boston that has no real history with uh, Reinhardt, that he made that, of course it falls on him, but that you believe, and do most fans believe he actually made that decision? Oh, I don't know what most fans believe. The, look, the buck stopped with, with Shirelli. On, on some decisions, was he influenced by other people who would have had knowledge of players? Obviously, Bob Green would have had uh, Reinhardt with the Oil Kings. Sure. Was there input there? Yeah. A- absolutely. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I, would, I would also say that um, with, with the Oilers, if, if you were higher in the food chain, I think until you get up to uh, to Cates, and you have to figure out. That, you know the man loves the Oilers. We know that he loves the he he loves the the nostalgia. He loves the old boys club. A uh, lot of great players then, of course, and everything else. But we don't know how much influence these guys have on the team. I remember back in 2015 on in the on the radio when Shirelli was hired, how we were having the same conversation. People were saying we don't need the old boys club anymore. This is a fresh face from a new organization that's going to come in and and run the team. As soon as that happened, when he took Reinhardt, personally, I thought, okay, there's there's already influence. Now, until and, and you know, I I, I don't know if Daryl Keats listens to your program or or 
even cares what's actually happening within the Oilers organization or the team. But I think until he addresses this and he deals with the Oilers as a business, like some of the other clubs are doing now in the NHL, we don't have a hope. It doesn't matter which new general manager comes in. If there's influence from higher above, I think we're going to be in trouble. It has to start with Kate. I, th- I would love to see him come out and and at least at least acknowledge there's a problem and that that from here forward we, we, we move this as a business. It can't be a love affair with a hockey team from, from his childhood. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. No problem. 780-496-0063. We have Gary on line, too. Go ahead, Gary. How are you doing, Reed? Good. Uh, I think if we go back quite a few years, uh, let's go back to look uh, Colorado Rockies, right? When Linders didn't want, uh, when he got drafted, he decided he didn't want to go. Sorry to wait, the, like the old Rockies? Yeah, the old Col- Colorado Rockies. Okay. Was, to do with Eric Lindros, right? He he ended up being the Oh, the, Nord- the Nordiques. Yeah, the Nordiques. Yes, okay. And in that trade, he was the number one draft. They ended up with four draft picks that year. So if we were to give up Connor McDavid, and I don't know anybody would want to do that, but because the Oilers are looking at five years down the road to rebuild this team, there's no way Connor McDavid wants to be part of this organization, and probably not even Leon. So to give us a fresh start, I mean, Wayne Gretzky got traded, Mark Messier, Paul Coffey. We need a goaltender and four-round draft choices to build this team back. Yeah, the fans are going to go crazy, but the key element, we could probably get four draft picks and a goalie for Connor McDavid and maybe even throw in uh, Leon and build this team fresh because I think we've had enough. We know that Connor McDavid is the best player in, in the globe, but, I mean, let's face it, he has nobody to play with, and it's going to be a long time, read before this team turns around. And we've had, what, 12 years of this? Same, same situation on the radio, same talks, same players, bad management. It's just been chaos. It's the worst team in the league, and everybody's running around with a brown bag on their, on their head in reference to the Oilers. All right, thanks, Gary. Uh, for the record, I don't think Connor McDavid will be traded. Here's Mike on line three. Hi, Mike. Well, I need to uh, kind of uh, pick it up after that whole wow. <laughs> that that's like NBA talk for a uh, trade for Anto- Antonio Davis right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Lakers have to trade their whole team to get one guy. Yeah, give them uh, give the Pelicans LeBron. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, did, did Rob at all last night? I, I kind of missed you, your guys' analysis after the game, but it seemed like we were cruising along, playing good for two periods, and then inside of three minutes, forgot how to play hockey. I, that part I don't understand. Like, is that a is that a mental psyche thing, or just a momentum shift, or or complacency, or, or what's going on there? Like, I, I really don't get that. Reed. Well, yeah, what did Rob say? Well, obviously, it, it was extremely poor defending. Um, <laughs> you know, they just completely 
beat the Oilers in every area of the ice. And, and I, I mean, I think there's a lot, Mike. Like when when I, people call in or talk to me and they say, well, it's all, it's, it's all Talbot's fault, for example. I'll always say, well, well, no, it isn't. I'm not, now, I'm not saying Talbot's playing well, but I don't think you can say any one area of the team. And if you said to yourself, oh, if you just fixed that, they'd be better. If the Oilers had top five goaltending in the NHL, they'd be a lot better, They but they still wouldn't score enough. Like, they'd win more because they could win some low-scoring games, but they wouldn't be able to score enough to be an elite team. You know, and if they had, if they had um, you know, more scoring, they still wouldn't be good enough at preventing goals. So there's, there's a lot going on. And, a, and another thing, I think, is that whole part of the, of the game, that whole part of life that is played out between the years. And they do not look like a team that knows how to behave when it has a lead in the third period. And that's really scary to me. They play better in the third period when they're tied or behind. With, when they have a lead, especially lately, like uh, Mike, as soon as, as soon as when, it, when Chicago tied it, I was like, okay, they tied it. But you know, the Oilers have had some good moments in this game too. They should be able to recover. When Chicago yeah. made it three-two with what sixteen minutes left, I was sitting up top and I thought to myself, game's over. Yeah. And you should not think that if your team is any sort of a decent team. They're, they're different than Calgary that way. They don't have the ability to come back. It's, and, and you know, the only thing that I think that was positive out of last night was Talbot blowing up because, to me, that shows the guy cares. And he's passionate about trying to win. Well, he still cares. I don't, I don't doubt that about him. Uh, and he was having a good game through, through 40 minutes. And a hitch is st- sticking up for him today. It, it was weird when he was pulled. Because what if that goal would have been waved off for goalie interference, which it probably should have, and we'd probably be talking about that today if the Oilers had won the game. If that if that had been waved off for goalie interference, would have he still pulled Talbot? I mean, the puck still went in. You know what I mean? That was a weird pull. Um, yeah. But you know, Hitch said we got to start playing for the goalie. Now Hitch is trying to push the right buttons. Who knows what he actually believes deep down? Um, but he definitely, Hitch himself, was not pinning it on the goaltender last night. But, I mean, the Oilers are, except for their top three forwards, they are below average or poor in every area of the game. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I mean, like, you look at our, our defense, and you take a realistic look at it, and, you know, you take Clefbaum, our best player, is he the third best defenseman in San Jose? And I think the answer to that is probably no. Like the third best, if he were on the Sharks, would he be on their second yeah. pairing? Is that what you mean? He'd be second pairing, but he wouldn't be in their top three. I'd have, you know, Vlasic, Burns, and Carlson. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, yeah, some of the really good decors. I mean, if you want to go Nashville. But, I mean, I still think he's a pretty good defenseman. Yeah, um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not discounting that. But you know what I mean? It's just... We're shorthanded. Yeah. Okay, Mike, thanks for calling. No problem. 780-496-0063. Ottawa now up 2-1 in Toronto. They're five and a half minutes into the second period. Brian on line four. Hey, Brian. Hey, Reed. Out of all the all the years I've been listening to you, I don't think I've ever heard as, as such a disgruntled and disappointed tone in your voice. Um, I was at the game last night, and, you know, 
As far as the boo birds that were out there, you know, I, I've got to say, I don't think I've heard booing like that since the 72 Summit Series. But, you know, we, we've got to really start to try and think. I, I mean, all, all the persons hearing over the last month, two months, three months almost, is negative, negative, negative. There are a lot of positives. I mean, every every great cloud has a silver lining. And, I mean, Connor is on the best field point uh, um, total right now, uh, or go, going for his best point to, total, total for a whole year uh, for his career. Same with Dreisaitl. Uh, I believe Hopkins is, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think... Once Clefbaum comes back, I, I I really think you know he's still got room for improvement to become, um, you know, an, an NHL number one or number two defenseman. Um, but <clears throat> excuse me, um, but I really think that you know this year point total wise, uh, yeah, it's not great, but we're not totally out of it. Last year, this time. We we were like mathematically eliminated pretty much. We didn't have a hope. There's still hope, and and I think all the guys need. And I truly feel, and I've said this to you before. I truly feel that they're going to go on a run. I think they just need to put a couple wins in their pocket. They need to get confidence and belief in themselves. I, I think we've got a good team. I really strongly feel that. And uh, you know what? I I will never ever say. You know that they're uh, they're right, uh, not not going to make it because I really I really feel that this year they can make the playoffs. Can they win the cup? No. I mean, let's be faced. No. Uh, well, no. I, and look, I I, I realize I, I understand what you said about my tone of voice and my and my content. But yes, I still there is the potential for this to be an exciting, intense stretch run. It's just discouraging when you have that game last night. The losing to Carolina, losing Detroit, that 4 nothing game in Los Angeles. There's just been, I, I guess my point is, there's too many games where they've looked either completely outclassed or a little bit disinterested. And and I totally agree with you, but here's, here's my point. And nobody can say the guys don't listen to the media, that they don't listen to the talk shows, that they don't read the papers or watch the TV. We all know that they do. And, you know, uh, how often do you hear positives about them? And it, it, how can you start feeling positive about yourself? I mean, everybody loves Connor. Well, so he's got all the confidence in the world because he knows what he can do. And everybody also knows that. Uh, same with Drysaddle. You know, he, you know, he didn't start the year all that great. Now he's starting you know, to put the puck in the net, 31 goals right now. I mean, he's even got the potential of hitting 50 this year. Um, you know, there's there's so many positives, and I, th- I think we have to start really trying to back the guys instead of bury them. All right. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Uh, I guess my take on that is that I think the commentary and discussion about the team is based on their overall performance. So, for me personally, I can only tell you what I see and what I believe. And I think if I came on and said that I think everything's great and they're probably going to win the Stanley Cup, I couldn't do that honestly, and I don't think that would sound credible. 
780-496-0063. A couple more calls after the break. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Hey, appreciate you tuning in tonight. I'm really looking forward to catching up with Adam Scorgi after the 7 o'clock news. He produced the documentary Coco about Grant Fewer, Ice Guardians. That was another great show. And he has the Donovan Bailey experience as part of the Engraved of, on a Nation series on uh, TSN. So Adam's going to check in after 7 o'clock. So if you are on hold and I don't get to you, I will apologize in advance. And remember, I love you, but sometimes we will we'll do other topics, and Adam's a pretty good guest to have on the show. Hello, Jim. How you doing? Good. Good. I you know I don't even know where to start really. I mean, I'm been a long time Oilers fan, but this year I don't even honestly want them to make the playoffs because they're just going to get swept and just be an embarrassment. That's what it feels like. Unless they can go on a tear, I don't know what moves they got to make, who they got to trade. But all I know is one one player, and everybody loves him. I don't know why, but every time I watch the highlights or watch a game and see, anytime that goal's in the the puck's in the back of our net, I see Darnell Nurse standing around looking at the puck, wondering what just happened. I don't know what they got to do defense wise, but everybody's relying on Clefbaum. Well, he didn't help last night, did he? I mean, to, to, for a team to rely on one player exclusively is just ludicrous. I, and I don't know what to say. And as for the forwards, well. We all know they got to get going. I mean, the, the, the top three can't keep doing it all alone. I don't know. Okay. What do you think? See you, Jim. Thanks. Well, obviously they're not deep enough. Uh, Nurse said it today. He's not defending well enough lately. I mean, I still think he can be a, pr- a pretty good player and has been at times. Michael's on the line. Hey, Reed. How's it going? Good. Uh, yeah, uh, what uh, the other guy was talking about, too, like defensive play. Like, I don't know if, like, Darnell Nurse, yeah, he's putting the puck in the net, but I don't know, like, when you look at the the plays that, like, those last couple of goals that went in the net there, like, he was, he came back and he was defending, but when the the puck come to the net, he turned away from the net, and the guy, I forget who it was, who put the puck in the net stayed there and put the puck in the net. Like, I don't know why he turned away from the net. Like, like stay there, the puck, that's priority number one, and just, man, that was extremely irritating. Like, I don't know, does, do you and Rob, like, look at the game after and say, oh, yeah, why didn't this guy do this? Why didn't he do that? Like, and pick up, like, I don't know. To me, like, to me it's blatantly obvious, like, some plays that, like, how come he's not battling for that puck instead of skating into the corner and letting that guy stay in front of the net? Yeah, well, it was a bad third period all around. I'm not, I'm not going to pit it all, all on Nurse, but he definitely had uh, didn't have a good period either. Thanks, no, Michael. Not, not, not Nurse, I'm talking Dreisaitl. Oh, Dreisaitl. Yeah, like... Oh, sorry, I thought you said Nurse. No, no, I, I think Nurse is doing okay. Dreisaitl, like, yeah, like, he puts, puts the puck in the net, but his defensive play, like, sometimes, like, it just is... I, I, here's what I'm going to say about that, Michael. Oh, first of all, I, I agree. I'm going to say this. They're the best players on the team. Both he and McDavid can improve in their own end. If you look at a couple of the overtime goal in Philadelphia, and Rob said it after that game, Connor turned away from the guy and should have stayed with him. Yeah. And then yeah. Patrick scores. Having said that, they're really good players. You need them on the team. And I hope they do what Nuge did and focused on that and get better. Because three or four years ago, I was getting these calls. Nuge can't defend. He's a little wimp. Why is he so small? Why does he turn away from the play? 
I don't know if there's been one negative comment on this show about Nugent Hopkins all season. Yeah, no, like. So uh, I hope if, I hope Dry Settle and McDavid take that to heart and get the guidance and work a little bit more of what you're saying into the game. Having said that, I'm not slamming them. I mean, imagine this team without them. They might have four wins. Yeah, for sure. But another thing, too, like, how come Hitchcock didn't call a timeout? Like, he said he switched goalies to try to use that as a timeout. But, I mean, when when they're scoring, like, two, three goals in, in a matter of, like, two less than two minutes, like, you got to break things up there. Like, no use saving a timeout if you can't even make it to the end of the game. Well, they they would yeah. They he called the goalie interference, and then you lose your timeout when you're considered wrong, oh. which I thought was a bad call, but yeah, probably didn't I was, matter. I was just listening on the radio; I didn't actually get to see it. Okay, see you, Michael. Right. Thanks, Reed. All right, I got a break for the news. Uh, if you're on hold, I'll, I, I got to apologize. I got a guest coming up. He's a really good guest, so we'll bring in Adam Scorgey after seven o'clock. Thanks for, uh, for calling in tonight, everybody. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.